Well, God bless you. Thank you, Garrett. You know, I have been teaching God's Word since 1972. And this is the first time I have ever shared a teaching with the word holiness in the title. So my first teaching with holiness in the title is Holiness is Fun. Now, already some of you are scratching your head. You think that's a little counterintuitive. It isn't. And you're going to see how holiness flows through the scriptures like a river. And this first teaching, Holiness is Fun, is really part one of two. And in this part, we're going to take a look at what holiness is not, as well as what it is, and what the blessings and benefits of a holy life are, according to God's Word. And then in our second series, second teaching of this series, we're going to look at what is a moral life. How do you make moral choices according to God's word? Now, the idea of personal holiness is greatly misunderstood. No big surprises there. God is misunderstood, and God is holy. Most of the talk about living a holy life as it's gone on over the last hundred years has presented a holy life as some combination of boring, restrictive, and glum. Well, I just want to tell you that is wrong, wrong, wrong. God is not boring, restrictive, or glum, and God is holy. You see, the devil has lied about God, he's lied about his son, and he's lied about the life that God has called us to. Now, when God set up life within the Christian church, God set it up so that we would live with Jesus as our Lord and with God's word as our guide. The result of that would be a life that is pleasing to God, that is holy, that is joy-filled. The devil has attacked this constantly. And something you need to understand about the adversary, about the devil, he only attacks things of value. He only attacks things of value. He is evil, but he's not stupid. He is very strategic. And when he turns his guns on some idea in Scripture, you can bet that's important. Look at how he has assaulted marriage within our culture. He knows what God designed marriage to be better than most Christians, so he attacks it. When it comes to holiness, the devil has relentlessly attacked and ridiculed the idea that you and I might live a holy life. What does the devil know about a holy life that we've missed? Must be something, because most Christians don't spend their time thinking about a holy life, even though the devil spends his time attacking it. Now, to be holy means to live a life that is separate from the destructive ways that we've all been raised on. When God brought forth Adam in Genesis chapter 2, Adam was holy. As a matter of fact, the only thing Adam knew when God brought him forth was good. That's all he knew. You know what, the first, you know what his temptation was? The, he knew good. He knew God. He knew holy. And the devil offered him to get to know evil. That doesn't sound like an upgrade to me. Adam was holy when God brought him forth. His rebellion lost that holiness in his life and walk. He was still designed to be an image bearer of the Most High God, but he had lost his way. He had lost the life that God had given him. In Christ, 
we get that holiness back. We have access and openness to it. And to be holy, to be holy means to be set apart from evil and to be morally pure. I'm going to talk again more about morality in our next teaching. If you're going to understand holiness, you need to understand God. Because God is the benchmark of holiness, and Jesus Christ is the example of what it looks like in real life. In Isaiah chapter 3, he says this about our God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You see, in Hebrew, the way they magnify something is they simply repeat it. God isn't just holy. He's holy, holy. No, no, no. He's even more. He's holy, holy, holy. In English, we would say God is the holiest of all. That's what this verse is actually communicating. Being holy means that there is nothing about God that is selfish or unkind or manipulative or impure or arbitrary or in any sense dark or evil. God is the opposite of all these damaging thoughts and behaviors, and so is his son. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 speaks about God in this way. It says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, it's hard to convey the emphasis of this verse into English. Because in English, when you have a double negative, it cancels it out. In Greek, when you have a double negative, it makes it more emphatic. So what this verse is saying, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all, not one little bit. That's what the emphasis of this verse is. And that's what our God is. Both God and Jesus Christ are holy. They are gracious. They are kind. They are pure. They are loving. They are merciful. And there are a whole lot more than that. Now, if you thought about it, you would probably have come to that conclusion about God and his son. But what about you and me? What is holiness? What does a holy life have to do with us? And is a holy life something that is even possible for those of us who live on this earth? Well, it is. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, as obedient children, this is verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Now, the word passion there is not about sex, okay? We make everything about sex in our culture. The word passion does not mean sex. It can encompass it, but that's not what it means. When the word passion is used in a negative sense in Scripture, it means a desire for something that is wrong, damaging, or evil. That's what it means when it's used in Scripture. In a negative side, you can also have passion in a good sense. But in a negative sense, as it is here, it means a desire for something that is wrong, damaging, or evil. Look at verse 15. But as he who called you is holy, so also be holy in all your conduct. God never tells you or encourages you to do something or be something that is impossible. So God is telling us it is possible for us to live a holy life. This is so different from what much of modern Christianity thinks. They look at themselves as sinners. I'm just a sinner. You are not a sinner. That is not how God describes you. So don't describe yourself that way. God calls you a saint. Much better. Much better. 
verse 16. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Because your creator is holy, and because you were designed to reflect his image, you can also be holy. And a life lived in holiness is a life lived in imitation of God and his son. For centuries, Christians have viewed a holy life as something that was either unattainable or undesirable or perhaps both. But that's not what God says. I want to show you some of the blessings and benefits of a holy life. And such a life is not only possible, it is your birthright. Why don't you look at Isaiah chapter 35, if you would. Isaiah is speaking prophetically here. He's talking about the future. Part of that future is what you and I are living today. Isaiah 35, verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert, and burning sand shall become a pool. Have you ever been at a beach at the, on a hot, hot, sunny day, and you walk from your, you're trying to walk from your towel to the water, and your feet are getting burned? That's, a, that's the image I get when I read this verse. Burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunts of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. Then this next verse 8 is wonderful. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. So, you know, you get on this highway. Highways are, are wide, right? Uh, interstates are wider than back roads. So we get on this highway, and as you're entering this highway, the name of the highway is the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. Isn't that a great verse? I find comfort in that. Even though I'm a fool, I can't miss this. Because, you know, when you're on a highway, if you're on Interstate 88 here in Naperville, you're not going to get lost once you're on Interstate 88. It's easy to follow. But if you start driving in some of the neighborhood back roads of Naperville, you can get lost. I've lived in Naperville 35 years. I still can get turned around in some of these neighborhoods. Verse 9, no lion shall be there. No animal, uh, no predator animals are going to be on this way of holiness bothering you. Nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. A walk on the highway of holiness is safe. That's what it's talking about. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. The way of holiness, everlasting joy. They shall obtain gladness and joy. This is not boring, restrictive, and glum. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. That's what it's taught. This is what a life of holiness looks like. This is what God wants your experience in life to be. All the negatives turn to blessings. The highway of holiness leads to joy. That is not a bad destination. I think that's something we would all want to enjoy in our lives. Living a holy life was not God's idea of burdening or punishing us. Look at Deuteronomy 5.29. It says, Oh, that they would always have hearts like this, that they might fear me, reverence God, and obey all my commands. If they did, 
they and their descendants would prosper forever because the way of holiness is safe and it's a blessing. Now, don't be put off like we are in our culture by the word obey or obedience. With God, obedience is not something that is forced. Obedience is an invitation to partake in God's goodness and God's love. Obedience is listening to God's advice and living his li- living your life in his image, which is what you were designed to be. You and I were designed to be image bearers of God. The result is a life that is blessed beyond all measurement measure. Now, here's something else. This is one of the things people misunderstand about living a holy life. Holiness is not spending your time trying to avoid sin. That would not be any fun at all. And the reason people think this way is because we don't look at life the way God does. Last week, Steve Carter shared about having God's worldview, looking at life and reality the way God has set it forth and described it. This is what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ did not walk around in his earthly ministry trying to avoid sin. Now, why is that? Because he didn't look at sin the way most people do. Most people look at sin as something, well, you know, I'd sort of like to do that, but I could get in trouble. That's how most people look at sin. That's not how Jesus looked at sin. Jesus looked at sin. He saw it for what it was. He saw it as something that was damaging. He saw it as something that would diminish him and diminish his relationship to God. He didn't walk around and say, oh, i got to I got to Make sure I don't sin today. No, he walked his life. I'm going to glorify God today. I'm going to live for God today. When you pursue a holy life, sin is the last thing you're going to be worried about. Look at Romans chapter 12. Romans 12.2 is a very popular verse. I'm not going to read Romans 12.2 yet. I want to read Romans 12.1, which, which is the very important preface to Romans 12.2. Romans 12.1, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, he's cheering us on, encouraging us to this, in view of God's mercy. Okay, here's another thing that people get wrong, because God has lied about. In view of God's mercy, not in view of God's potential anger and wrath, okay? In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. I'm going to offer my life as holy, and that will be pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, people look at that. This is your true and proper worship. Living your life for God is your true and proper worship. Well, how does that fit with what Jesus said in the Gospels where he wants the true worshipers to worship God by the Spirit, whereas this verse is talking about worshiping God with your life? Worship here, or the Greek word behind worship in this verse, is not the usual word for worship, such as the one Jesus used in John 4. This is a word that emphasizes our worship of God by our service and our lifestyle. Living a holy life is pleasing to God, and it is the proper way to worship God and to serve God with our lives. That's what the holy life is all about. We worship God, certainly by the Spirit, and we serve and show our love to Him by living a holy life, a life lived in His image, which is what 
we were designed to do, and therefore it is what we can do. Look at Matthew chapter 22. This is pretty familiar territory here about the first and great commandment. Jesus was asked what it is. And Jesus responded or replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Notice it doesn't say love God with your whole spirit. Not Spirit's not even mentioned here. We worship God by the Spirit, but we serve and love Him with our heart, soul, and minds. This is what living a holy life is all about. Now let's jump into Romans 12, verse 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. One of the translations says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Living a holy life is done by not conforming to this world and by being transformed by thinking about life the way God does, by describing life the way God does. Now, this is where the devil has introduced the idea that if you stop pursuing what the world sets in front of you, your life is going to be boring, restrictive, and glum. That is wrong. Don't buy it. We have all followed the course of this world at times in our life. It was the only option presented to us. But it doesn't deliver on its promises. Sin never delivers on its promises. Living an unholy life never delivers on its promises. Let's go to Galatians 5, where we see the life of pursuing this world in contrast to a life that is led by the Spirit, a holy life. Galatians 5.16. But this I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, if you are led by the Spirit, and to be led by the Spirit means you have to allow yourself to be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. People think living God's way is restrictive. Actually, living God's way is the only way to be free. It is the only way to have a light heart in this life. Let's see all those fun things that went along with being conformed to this world. Let's look at a list God gives us here. Now, the works of the flesh, and when it says the flesh, it's not talking about my skin, okay? It's talking about the fallen nature of man, the corrupted, diminished nature of man because of sin. That's what it's talking about. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and all other kinds of things like that. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, you might read this list and say, wow, long list. And you might be thinking, well, I get it. I don't want to have my life filled with fits of anger, and I don't want idolatry. I, I, I can figure those aren't good. But you know what? I don't know. Maybe drunkenness and orgies would be fine. 
That's not, maybe, that, maybe that's what I want. Maybe for a short season they might seem rewarding, but they are dead ends, and anyone who has pursued them knows that within their souls and their hearts. I certainly found that out. For the better part of two years of my life, I spent my time numb to the world through drugs. And you know what? The world and all of its pressure and negatives was still there every time the fog cleared. It didn't accomplish anything. I have counseled numerous people who have had their lives diminished and their freedom constrained because of such things as sexual immorality and sensuality. Now, sensuality does not mean sex. In the 21st century, we think everything means sex. That's not what it means. It can encompass sex, but sensuality means living in pursuit of the pleasures of the senses. Sensuality includes such things as greed, pride, and selfishness. But there is a better way, a way that is blessed by God, a a highway to joy. That's what God is talking about. I want to jump to... Romans 6.20. I want to see a little bit more about our life before Christ. In Romans chapter 6, in verse 20, it says, For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Slaves to sin. We think we're just following our own choices. When you serve sin, you're a slave to sin as far as God is concerned. He states things very clearly. God is pretty black and white. Not a lot of gray in God's word. When you were slaves to sin, you were free with regard to righteousness. Well, what did that mean? Verse 21, for what fruit were you getting at the time, at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. What was the fruit in your life when we went about living an unholy life? I led, pursued, embraced an unholy life during parts of my life. I embraced it. What was the fruit of that? There was no fruit, no positive fruit, because that's the highway of death, not the highway of holiness. Look at verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification. Sanctification is simply another word for holiness or living a holy life life, and its end, eternal life. Here we see God talking about fruit, and Galatians, back there in chapter 5, talks about one type of fruit that we receive, that we experience, that we enjoy as we live a holy life. It says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep step with the Spirit. I want a, a holy life is keeping step with God because that is the most enjoyable life. I have never had anyone come to me for counsel because they had too much joy and too much love in their life. Nobody ever makes an appointment with me about that. Help me, right? Learning to live as God designed 
is to live the path, to walk the path of holiness, which is the path to the fruit of the Spirit. The blessings and benefits to living a holy life are enjoying all that God plans in our redemption through Christ. You and I were designed to live a holy life. Our ability to live a holy life was diminished by Adam's rebellion. But the consequences of Adam's rebellion have been overturned in Christ, and he is now living within us. Sin is no longer our master. And the holy life that you were designed to enjoy is well within your grasp. You are not a sinner. You are a saint, which means you are. God calls you a holy one. And in my next teaching, we're going to look at how to make the moral choices that are part of a holy life. And if you're going to remember one thing from this teaching, here's what I want you to remember. Holiness is fun. I'm going to close in prayer. Father God, thank you for this time we've had in your word. Thank you for making a life open and available to us where we could enjoy your presence, where we could enjoy your blessings, and where we could have fellowship with you and your son. And I ask you, God, to open the eyes of our understanding to the joy of walking as your son walked, the joy of holiness and a holy life. And I pray in Christ's name, amen.